0: One of the main things I do new at Korn Ferry that I don't see enough thought leadership enterprises do is be current, be daily, write about what's in the news now. Because I think business leaders have a lot
1: of concerns right in front of them, and they're looking for advice. Our latest Everything Thought Leadership interview is with Jonathan Dahl. He is Vice President and Chief Content Officer of Corn Ferry, the $2.8 billion global organizational consulting firm. Jonathan is an instrumental part of the thought leadership machine at Corn Ferry. He runs This Week in Leadership, a column in which Corn Ferry experts weigh in on recent business developments, Briefings Magazine, which was launched in 2009, and The Briefings Podcast, a new show examining big workplace trends. Before joining Corn Ferry, Jonathan was at the Wall Street Journal for 30 years. In his last 2 years there, he was editor-in-chief of Wall Street Journal Money, a magazine that Jonathan created and which covered investing and philanthropy for high-net-worth individuals. And for 19 years before that, he was a reporter, senior writer, columnist, and then section editor of the Weekend Journal. Corn Ferry was founded by Lester Corn and Richard Ferry. It's grown from small office with one phone and one assistant to a $2.8 billion revenue business that's listed on the New York Stock Exchange. It provides executive and professional search, consulting services on organizational structure, people development, culture, and other talent issues, digital tools to help consultants and clients improve their workforces, and also interim executive help. I talked to Jonathan about what attracted him to Corn Ferry back in 2016 and to thought leadership marketing in general, a big career change. We also talk about the activities that he oversees in thought leadership, about the eight platforms that he oversees. And I also talk to him about the biggest challenges in his job and how he addresses them. Jonathan, great to have you on our show. Hi, thanks for having me. I really appreciate the work you're doing and your podcast, so it's great to be part of it. Thank you, and I appreciate the work you've been doing. I've been looking at this pretty closely over the last few months, and and that's why I, I guess I invited you to to talk with us. So, you know, you've been in business journalism for over thirty years, largely at the Wall Street Journal, in some uh, great roles at the Journal, and after going to a startup, you came to Corn Ferry. So, you've been there for for seven years. How do you compare and contrast the world of business journalism? with the world of thought leadership at a professional services firm? Well, it's not as
0: much different as you might think it is. Um, and I think if you're doing it well, uh, they're closer than you, than you than most people kind of realize. Both really require good storytelling and kind of an eye for what will people read. Uh, there are, you know, barriers of, of areas you don't cover when you're in um when you're working at a company but there were barriers like that at the wall street journal kind of sacred cows as they refer to it so it's not as much different i i, I thought it would be uh, a lot different but you know we have regular uh, every monday morning we have a story meeting we have a, a big meeting with the partners uh in the middle of the day every week um doing a lot of the same kind of editing i'm editing in both a magazine a digital magazine a daily website kind of what I was doing at the journal. One difference I would say is that, you know, the pressure is not anywhere near at the same level. I mean, we had 100 million readers at the Wall Street Journal. Almost everybody's looking for a mistake. And you can kind of, it's a little, it just doesn't have that quite intensity. Not that it still can't, doesn't have to be accurate and good storytelling, but it's not quite as much uh, stress.
1: Yeah, uh, not nearly as much stress. For- former journalists or current journalists who are wondering whether to make a career shift to thought leadership. What advice would you give them to think about uh, while they they think about whether and, and how to make that shift? Well, it's going to be a challenge. Uh, it takes a certain kind of personality change
0: from journalism where you're challenging people all the time, you're You know, including, you know, it was fine to argue with the Wall Street Journal for your case pretty strongly. Was kind of a little to be less of kind of a politician and understand the business world, the uh, workings with inside the business world. And some journalists, you know, they try it and they they don't really like it. Uh, They don't like having good ideas not run because of some conflict that runs with the business. Also, journalists, you know, often see their job as a mission. Now, I saw my job as a mission. My, my father used to say I could either become a, a priest or a journalist, and that was it. Those were my two options in mm-hmm. terms of helping the world. And you are helping the world uh, at your company, but it's a little, it's somewhat different, and you have to keep that in mind. So mm-hmm. I do work with and hire a lot of uh, former journalists, but I do, I do warn them, and some of them try it, and it doesn't work out
1: are you able at this point to sense what kind of journalists would be happy in thought leadership and and which ones would not before you you extend a job offer?
0: um you know because every everyone's going to say the same thing oh I'll have no problem but I'm willing to give a lot of people tries um I have quite a diverse kind of staff it's it's mainly um former uh, Wall Street Journal Bloomberg journalists I think they we speak the same language and it works really well but you know, I have a Hollywood script writer. He never did any journalism his whole life. And it's one of my strongest contributors. So you you just don't know where you're going to get them from.
1: A colleague of mine who does a lot of recruitment for thought leadership professionals, Sarah Noble. Do you know Sarah Noble? She has recruited hundreds of people for thought leadership content jobs. She did, I asked her to give a presentation three years ago at our thought leadership conference. I asked her uh, to think about uh, the people who who had the biggest impact uh, in the firms that they worked for, consulting firms, prestigious academic journals, et cetera, um, what were their backgrounds? What were their backgrounds? And it turned out 56% of them were were came from business journalism, and something like 9% came from other yeah. journalism fields, but not, not business. And the rest were, you know, so two-thirds were from journalism, and most of that two-thirds was business journalism. And so it seems to me that business journalism is a very good background uh, for careers and thought leadership. Well, it's, it, it really
0: helps you for the idea, for idea generation, saying what, what, you know, you learn in journalism to identify your audience, right? If you're working at the New York Times, that's one kind of audience. If you're working at the Wall Street Journal, it's a different kind of audience. So you learn to identify the audience. At Porn Ferry, it's kind of business clients, corporate leaders. And so you identify who that is and what they're interested in, and how to, and then how to tell the story the best. And journalists, kind of business journalists, have that, that knack for doing that. But again, they've got to be able to kind of mold into the fabric of a company. Um, there's much more collaboration in in the business world. I have to work with you know a whole different kind of art department, um, obviously marketing communications with the different partners it's a it's far more of a you're spread out in a far more different
1: areas it's a bigger team sport in other words i mean there there are more individuals to collaborate with would that be fair to say definitely much more team sport if you're not a good team player you you probably it probably doesn't work well for you at least kind of in the job i'm in yeah, well, my boss and my first uh, year in thought leadership in 1987, a management consulting firm that's not here anymore called CSE Index. Uh, he's, he pulled me over. He said, Bob, the consultants, you know, they really appreciate your expertise and taking their ideas and putting them into um, articles and this and that. But but your argumentative reporting style needs to end. <laughs> You're not working in a, in, 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 you know in a magazine anymore. And I said, Wow, I didn't know that. All right, thank you very much. And um... you're, yeah, you're much more of a
0: diplomat in the in the business content world. You have to slowly bring over people to your side. Uh, the biggest challenge I had at Corn Ferry was, as in many consulting firms, it was that partners generated the bulk of the content and had their byline run. And I felt that, hey, you're fantastic at your job. You're fantastic as a partner um i've actually grew to admire a lot of what they do but you're not professional storytellers you're not professional writers and let the pros i like, bring in a really top people tell the story and interview you instead of you writing it that was quite a shift at corn ferry and that would be at most places we did our own kind of study early on that showed that People don't see, and journalists hate to hear this, but people don't remember the byline. Um, partners love to have their byline out, but no one remembers that. with something like 4% or something like that. But if you had a great quote in the story, ah, then they remember that quite well. And that generates um, an audience for you and your business. So it took some doing um, to bring it over. Um, and again, you know, to do that, Being at the Wall Street Journal and in editor chief roles and on the front page, they did learn more and more about how to do that. But it's a challenge.
1: So when you when you came to Corn Ferry, the partners and others, they had been the ones writing stuff. And I guess they had some editing help. Somebody, you know, uh, did some editing and proofing, uh, uh, obviously. But the partners were really they were the, the main ones writing the prose. So it sounds like you got them to see you're not, hey guys and and ladies, you're not professional writers. We need professional writers who talk to you and get your ideas down on you know quote unquote paper.
0: Yeah, they you know there was the the white paper for example, what I referred to as the dreaded white paper, and you um, either they would write it or interview or give you information to try to put it together. And it just wasn't generating readership. We had something like 600,000 page views at Corn Ferry the first year I got there. Um, we now have over four and a half million page views. That's just for the daily website and, so, um, and the magazine. And so you were able to convince them when you can show, hey, there's a lot more people. Again, this isn't 4.5 million. Um, that don't really fit your audience. This is, you know, we're sending this to people that are in your audience sphere. When you're able to show them that, then I think they're, they're more willing to work with it, do less white papers, and instead give you good ideas and try to go from there.
1: So, what was the initial reaction when you said, hey, folks, in so many words, you know, we need to turn the writing over to professionals and it's still your ideas, but we need other people to communicate them for you? What kind of uh, pushback? I'm assuming there was some. Never, push- you, you
0: never succeed at doing that. If you just suddenly announce it and do something jarring, you have to kind of move people gradually over there. So I would say it was about a one and a half to two year process of one by one. They'd say, Well, here's my piece. And I'd say, Well, it's a really good piece. And, and, and it was a good piece. You'd always see, but, but here's something, I, a better way I think of telling this. And why don't we try to tell it and then show you? Um, Gradually, over time, even the daily pieces we don't show partners. We interview them and then we just run it, just like you would at a paper. Um, obviously, if we've done something really wrong, we can change it online, and that uh, was not something people were used to. But I had to explain to them, "Look, I'm I'm trying to do something new. One of the main things I do new, Corn Ferry, that I don't see enough thought leadership enterprises do is." Be current, be daily, write about what's in the news now, because I think business leaders have a lot of concerns right in front of them, and they're looking for advice. But that has to be turned around pretty quickly within a a couple of days. And you don't have the time to go back and forth um, over a quote or whatever. And so, again, I showed that the audience will grow by doing it that way, by linking to what's in the news. But we'll have to kind of write it uh, in our own style in the beginning.
1: So what do you think convinced them, you know, over those one to two years? Um, you know, Jonathan is right about this. You know, we were really hesitant. We're not sure we bought into it at first, but he's right. What What was it? Do you think that convinced them? Well, I had
0: a lot of support from my um, CMO, chief marketing officer, and from the CEO, Gary Bernison. They're, they're very interested and, and like the content I produced. That, that was a big help. And then it was the size of the audience. People were just kind of blown away. Like they they'd never seen so many clicks uh, on a story um, and saw the attention. It it grew. It also drew attention from other medias. I assume there's a bunch that follow us. And then all of a sudden they're getting interviewed by the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, or CNBC. Because there's they've they've been appearing and being quoted in it, word kind of spread. Um, I started very early on a weekly meeting at noon where any partner, actually anyone from the company, can come. We tell them the stories we're thinking about. We get their thoughts. They tell us what they think is is a story. I think they really enjoy um, the partners that do it being a part of the process instead of just being told this is what we're gonna what we're gonna do. And I
1: think. That
0: helped bring them along as well.
1: So let's talk about the people in your group. You
0: know, how many, what skills, where they come from, and so on. It always kind of surprises people. So all right, I have a, like seven different platforms. I have a, a daily website it's called This Week in Leadership, uh, which produces a string of stories every week.
1: This Week in Leadership is part of the Corn Ferry website in which Jonathan matches the newswriting ability of the journalists on his team with the expertise of Ferry's partners and other consultants. Every week, This Week in Leadership runs four to five articles that provide commentary on the headlines of mainstream business media. For example, it had articles explaining why new data on U.S. productivity shot up why many employees think about quitting during their vacations and how to handle being removed as a manager, meaning having no direct reports.
0: I have a national magazine, comes out six times a year, it's in 300 airports, and it's both, and then sent out digitally, to two million people. I have an email, briefings for the, uh, for the boardroom. I have a career advice site. I have um, what we call
1: perspectives, which are kind of reviews of case studies. We um, now have a podcast. Briefings Magazine at Korn Ferry goes way back to 2009 when it was initially called the Corn Ferry Institute's Briefings on Talent and Leadership. Joel Kurtzman, who is credited with coming up with the term Thought Leader, helped launch the magazine then. It was a print publication in its early days and it still is today, although there's also an online component. It's been running feature articles written by journalists, interviews with famous CEOs, as well as advertising. Joel Kurtzman had been editor-in-chief of Harvard Business Review for a couple of years. He also helped Booz Allen launch its own thought leadership publication, Strategy in Business, which is now published by PricewaterhouseCoopers, or PwC. Joel died in 2016, way too soon for the many people who knew and loved him,
0: at age 68. So people probably think I had 20 to 30 people Um, i work with about a half dozen who are full-time contractors, and they've been with me five or six years. And I I think that's another key thing is that you want someone either that is working there or is staying there and is largely full-time so they understand the company and um, you nurture them, you work with them, you show an interest in their work. I think one of the problems I think at a lot of thought leadership places is they, they just freelance it out. I, I strongly disagree with that because uh, you're bringing somebody in who doesn't know the company and will be out in, in a very short time and isn't engaged in the growth and the development, the career development that we try to get. But it's a small team. And as I said, um, you know, some of them are from Bloomberg. Uh, some of my former colleagues at The Wall Street Journal that used to work for me who have made the mistake of staying with me. Uh, as I said, a Hollywood scriptwriter who had no journalism background is part of the team, strong part of the team.:
1: did you find that person? How' did you find the Hollywood scriptwriter? Or did he or she uh, come to you? Whenever
0: I have an opening or a need, I go to my own writers and say, "Hey, who's looking?" And somebody mentioned this person and said, "You know, he doesn't have any background, but he's, but he's really sharp." So I would try him, so I did. You okay. normally get it best from your own network. And that doesn't mean I don't read my LinkedIn every day. And if somebody sends me a, a resume um, and I say, well, pitch me some ideas and if they're good, and that's how I have gotten some people, you know, just from the first few pitches, if they a have done the homework in reading your site um, and then B, if they come up with stuff that you haven't done before.
1: Very good. All right. So let's you mentioned the the daily website this week in leadership and, and this was uh, your invention. How soon after you uh, joined Corn Ferry did this media, uh, this website, go up?
0: It wasn't for about a year to two years. I was originally hired. The job that was open was to be editor in chief of their magazine, Briefings Magazine. And i worked at a monthly magazine before. I just assumed it was a monthly, and I got there and was like, "Oh my God, it's only four. That time was four times a year. What am I going to do every day? I'm going to be bored." So I convinced them that there was many more opportunities and that the role really should be a chief content officer. They said, what's that? And I developed it from there. And the idea of the uh, daily website was just that the most, uh, the biggest thing I saw as a problem, I thought in thought leadership coverage, was that it was evergreen coverage. It would be, you know, three ways the CEO can get ahead. And it didn't apply to the current time. And I just you know, the more I talk to partners and leaders, I could just see that they're following the news constantly every day. They want to know what it means to their business. And I saw that as an opportunity. I just I still don't see many doing that. I if you kind of look at most of the sites. It will be I always ask the writer, well, why are we writing it now? And um, most of what I see, I just look at it and I go, well, I don't see why we're, I have to read this today. Mm mm-hmm.
1: So you're connecting it to daily events and weekly events, uh, which obviously makes it a lot more relevant than it might, you know, otherwise be. You look for there to be a survey that will say 57%
0: of people are not using the company AI training that they're giving because they don't think it's of any use. Um, And so you're looking for things off the news. You know, obviously, if a war develops, that affects kind of like, how people are concentrating at work and are upset. What do you want to talk to leaders at that time about? How to work with them about that? Um, they're just um, you look for topics. That, you know, it may not be breaking news at that moment, but it's it's in the sphere of what is uh, people are concerned about. And the thing is, you know, you have to be kind of brave. You have to first another thing that I find that I that we do differently is we point out problems do always offer the solution to the problem but we're pointing out a problem we think that's kind of really critical because um why else am I reading you if there, if you're not telling me something i either didn't know or didn't know the scope of it so we were very early we had you know cover many you know years ago actually on the return to work issue we knew that was going to be a problem on people's minds. It's amazing that it's still it's continuing to be, but it's identifying the problem. Like people are not going to want to come back to work uh, and for very good reason, and you're going to think they should be in work. So we want to tell you that we know that about this issue, and this is what the studies show, this is what's happening with it, this is what you should do. Um, artificial intelligence right now is very big. We had a piece, got a lot of uh, traffic of the idle workday that AI may be creating, that there may be a lot of workers out there who have learned how to use AI and haven't used the company training because it isn't any good, but they've learned how to use it themselves. And now they don't know what to do with the rest of their day because um, the artificial intelligence has helped them take care of half of their day. It's not that they don't want to work but they don't have anything to work. And I don't think a lot of corporate leaders have realized that. And so we're hoping they look at that story and they go, wow, this is a problem. This is what our partners say they should do about it. And maybe they will come to us for business.
1: So was there any internal debate about whether to focus on these kind of problems even, even before you know, uh, others have talked about these problems to be kind of first in identifying problems and weighing in on how to address them?
0: Yes. Again, that was a big change from both what Corn Ferry did and what others did, others still do. And it was like, well, we don't want to be negative. And, you know, there's a, a balance there and not being overly negative. But it, I think people saw really early on that, yeah, this is what, when I call a client, this is what's on their mind. And so just coming at you with the, you know, seven ways to fix something doesn't work if you haven't said what needs to be fixed. And, you know, when I do talk to journalists about this field, that's what's so interesting. I mean, business just has so many, once you kind of get inside the business world. I mean, the, when I was at the Wall Street Journal, I never realized how much, how far removed I am from how it really operates. And there's just so many intricacies and interesting stories to tell that, um, they you they keep you fascinated. I mean, I wake up bolting, ready to work, right out
1: of bed every day. And
0: there's just always something really cool.
1: Yeah, because you're kind of in the, you know, maybe the metaphor is you're in the machine. You're not reporting on the machine anymore. You're yes. inside the machine. And and you're and the consultants there can tell you the insides of their clients' machines. And all sorts of issues pop out that you when you're in the grandstands looking at uh, at the field, you don't realize. This is going on in the dugout and 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 on the baseball. Yeah, no,
0: no. and that feeds you, you know, a lot of good story ideas that, that you wouldn't have had otherwise. And so that always really intrigues me.
1: Yeah. So this week in leadership is up to is, is uh four million page views a year. It's it's on that pretty good roll here, which um, is up. Uh, you had mentioned to me six hundred and fifty percent in the last five years. That's a lot of page views, right? And. Yeah, I mean, where you know, it's um, there are certain topics
0: that will that you den you you find out pretty early are going to keep people involved and and what they're looking for you for. Um, they may not be looking for your advice on where the economy is going to go, but they probably will be looking for your advice on how to handle the latest remote work issue, how to deal with company burnout. Um, pay is always a big topic. The big story of the day right now is pay transparency. States are requiring that uh, companies post ranges of salaries. More companies, interestingly enough, it's like, like we said, 46% are now um, revealing to the employees what the pay range for their roles are. Man, this is such a different from you know when I started. Or dad, no one ever talked about salaries. And now it's a, it's a huge topic. So whenever we mention anything about pay, I, I know that's going to bring traffic. And I really enjoy that. I really enjoy the seeing the traffic grow. We've grown every year, got um, maybe one. We kind of were flat. It's a challenge, though. The, the bigger you get, the harder it is to keep adding audience. 84% of the past year, So somehow we managed to do it.
1: So is this the most traffic part of the Corn Ferry website? Is this part of the Corn Ferry website, the, the, this week in leadership? And is this the most traffic part? Oh, yeah. It brings in
0: by far the majority of traffic
1: so when you when you got to Corn Ferry, uh, you know back in 2016, what kind of traffic page views was was the site getting way back when? Oh, it was only like six hundred thousand, and it just had a main site, and you
0: could click to the magazine, um, and you could click to different articles written by partners. But there wasn't you know, there wasn't uh, a strong reach out probe. You know we have a, a a very robust mailing list that we send to. There was, but it was done very more surgically through the marketing department. So they didn't have a strong demand jam, but it wasn't. Um, it would be more around a white paper, kind of evergreen content. And so it just probably just didn't generate the same kind of interest.
1: Now, let's quickly turn to the briefings that your national magazine that was there before you joined. Have you tweaked it, the formula or... Oh, yeah, I mean,
0: it wasn't digital. Um now it's much more of a digital product. That's kind of where you have to be. We went it was usually more of kind of an interview. The cover would be an interview with the CEO at the time, and that serves a purpose. We still run CEO interviews in most issues because you want to show the relationship we have with, with big companies. But I felt that we could identify unique and cool trends and go where people weren't covering on kind of an in-depth level. Interesting enough, it, it gets a lot of traffic. A good briefings cover will will probably be the most read story of the year um, because I think people will sit down and um, read longer-form longer, longer form journalism if it's, if it's unique and delves into something. So um, we just had a cover out about... Well, pay attention because nobody else is. Again, pointing out a problem. And the problem is that science has shown that because of distractions over the years, it's something like, you know, we used to be able to go two minutes, two minutes and 40 seconds without being distracted like 20 years ago. Now it's less than 45 seconds. Now, that means that uh, your ability to innovate, like we asked the question, could Steve Jobs have invented the iPhone if he was always switching to to different social media? And it has a big impact on productivity. And so, and then, you know, to say nothing of the well-being of your employees, it's very stressful if you're constantly shifting and shifting. And so we wanted to point out this problem and that smart leaders will try to address it. It's not an easy thing to address, um, but it's an important problem. And that will, you know, probably got 20, 25,000 page views. It will do very well.
1: Wow. Tell us a little bit about the the B2C career advice site, uh, KF Advance. You know, and so, you know, B2C, who is the consumer? And and why does Corn Ferry want to reach these people? So that's, a, you know, Confer
0: is kind of interesting. So its audience, its main audience, you know, we call the magazine the voice of leadership and it's called This Week in Leadership. We're mainly talking to, you know, managers, high-level managers, C-suite people, board members, trying to give them advice. But at the same time, those people also, you know, care about their career and are looking to advance their career or at least mentor people on advancing career. So, KF Advance is designed for the same audience, but now that we're kind of turning it around and saying, "Well, what do we? What do you do about your career?" And again, there's just endlessly interesting topics around that, such as you know, what, how is AI affect your ability to look for works uh, and change how companies decide you? You know, Corn Ferry's half, uh, well, less than half of its business is recruiting. It used to be a much bigger part now. Um, advisory but um, obviously we kind of as as having a lot of recruiters know a lot of inside stories about this is what companies are really look for this is how you go about doing your job search so there's a whole range of advice and so the idea was to create content for that and then direct you to a bunch of um, um, really top coaches for kind of a small amount you you pay and subscribe to that
1: So does that help Corn Ferry, um, the recruitment part of Corn Ferry, and kind of the supply into the business, meaning, you know, a a client is looking for a CFO, it's this company looking for people who are looking to get out of their CFO job. And so is this your channel to those folks who who you could recruit out of a company?
0: Uh, There's some, um, probably not as much as you would think. The recruiters are very, very good at, uh, they've been in the field for, you know, years. They have pretty, a, a pretty good volume and a list of their own top people they're looking for. The coaches will direct them to those recruiters um, who they see at Promise. So it, it does funnel it. But I think that was so much the main purpose. Yeah.
1: No, it sounds interesting, though. And in your podcast, talk about the the, the briefings podcast. Are
0: you- oh, I've never been more excited about that. I'm a big podcast listener, um, and I love ones like American History Storyteller, where it starts out with somebody in back in the 1700s, and it does a little skit and then it tells you uh, the story of what happened then. And I've always wanted to kind of convert that uh, concept to, um, to business. Most of the business podcasts I see are kind of, um, talking heads, two people talking no visuals. I notice you put really good visuals in there. And I think people's attention spans, as you know, from that story I just mentioned, they want more. So we always start out with these, we just started it uh, less than a month ago, and um, they're really coolly produced. I encourage people to watch it on YouTube, not just listen to it. And we, we create kind of skits. So if we're doing one on return to work, we'll go get in the car, drive with somebody, going into the office, sitting in traffic and saying, oh, my God, you know, this, this is terrible. Um, Say, so yeah, I wish I could just zoom it in and I'll engage you. And then during the podcast, we break it up by having quotes from different experts outside of the Corn Fairy sphere, and injecting that and then asking the partner about that quote and about that comment. And then finally, we do a little kind of news segment on this week in leadership, where we quickly review what are the big stories happening right now that you should know about. It, it's been a lot of fun. We've had more than 100,000 YouTube page views in the first few weeks, a great number. Um, it's a new platform for us. And I think for most companies, they don't really use YouTube, but we need to get into the younger Gen Z audience. They will, they are the future. Millennials now make up the bulk of the workforce. We need to go to their channels.
1: Absolutely. Maybe a little bit about the briefings for the boardroom, you know, your email newsletter to board directors. Um, Was that there before you arrived? Or is that new since you? you... No,
0: that was there before I arrived. What we've tried to do again is like look for much more, instead of content written by partners or directly ghostwritten, um, we look for key trends in the boardroom and Of course, there's just endless ones there, Um, how much board members evaluate each other, which is not as much as as it probably should be, and how more assessments of board members is needed and what smart companies are doing about that. Compensation is always a big topic and that's always going to grab people. Board members' role in in key issues like ESG and climate change and alerting them that for example, there's like federal legislation that's requiring that to be a liability that's put on the books. Your, it should, the impact you're having on climate um, has to be put on the books. The board members themselves can become liable. There's been, been cases on that where they've been held liable for a climate-related issues the company has caused. So we're alerting, again, people to problems and then offering the solutions. So, you know, uh, it's it's kind of fun to be able to like... Talk to the very, very tippy top of the house, talk in, this week in leadership to CEO, a little, little bit lower, and corner advice, uh, the KF Advance is a real broader group. And the magazine is, you know, that's out in the public, that's in 300 airports. You've got to be really broad and reaching. That keeps the job interesting.
1: Absolutely. So, so Jonathan, what do you see as the biggest challenges in in your job? and And what have been the keys to addressing them?
0: There's going to be kind of a a growing, there's always a growing challenge of proving your worth. This is what kind of really hurt journalism in general. They couldn't prove why an ad is worth $150,000 a day in the Wall Street Journal, which is what people used to pay. And they didn't create any effort to justify it. So as a result, that business shrunk. Um, The marketing department is very, very good at justifying what they do. They they will track, if you go to a webinar, they'll track who goes to it, follow them along the whole business stream and justify the cost of the staffing and what they do. Well, leadership, it's much harder to do. It's much harder to track and to show that it led to this particular business. And the inability to do that or to not um, leaves you very much kind of at the mercy of a very subjective call of like the CEO loves what you do or the CMO likes it. But it's that's a challenge and will always be a challenge. Um, I think we do better at trying to track what it brings, but it's still, you know, a difficult challenge to get. And then, of course, you know, you got to talk about our intelligence. Which, you know, many um, people are already saying, well, why do we need people creating articles when machines will do it? I did a funny uh, editor-in-chief's letter. I asked it to write my editor-in-chief's letter. Didn't have much of a sense of humor. That kind of like wasn't an issue. But that will come along well. So that will be a challenge. I think the smart firms will, uh, for content, will see it as a, as a strong partner. Not, not necessarily completely replacing it, because it's amazing how fast it can do very basic research. And, you know, but this was true when I first started journalism. You know, Google didn't really provide you much of anything. And you had to go on LexisNexis to find out, you know, a legal case. It's just incredible what I can get in minutes. And now with, you know, ChatGPT, it's down to seconds. But it still is just a partner. It's not the, the sole producer.
1: Well, Jonathan, this has been very illuminating. And um, maybe one short question. Anything I should have asked that you wanted to talk about, about thought leadership at Corn Ferry that I, I just missed, that you think is important to understanding, you know, what has gone so right there with thought leadership? I think being brave uh, is a big thing you know,
0: in when you're developing thought leadership content. But you've got to take risks, be bold, um you still have to be able to work well within your company to prove the value of that but if you don't constantly take risks and be brave create new channels and look for new channels and watch your competition carefully you'll fade very quickly so
1: it's a very active job put it that way well thank you so much for your time I've been in the thought leadership profession for 36 years. I'm always excited to see people in the profession who are breaking the mold about how content can be researched and developed and how content can be brought to market. I find what Jonathan Dahl and his Cornfairy colleagues to be doing with This Week in Leadership, the Briefings podcast and other channels to be very different. And this content is also working. It's bringing more of the right attention to the company from people who could buy its services. That's the ultimate test of thought leadership. Everything Thought Leadership is a video and podcast series from Boudet TLP. It's for thought leaders and thought leadership professionals, the people who help experts get recognized as thought leaders. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you left a like and if you shared the episode with your colleagues. You can find out more about Boudet Thought Leadership Partners at BoudetLP.com.